With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
Amen. Father in heaven, we come to you thanking you for giving us life. Thank you for creating us in one spirit, Lord God. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads and guides us through all truth. Father, your word is true and it leads us to so many different things, but it also uh, separates from things that we used to know. Father, we thank you and we bless, Lord God, by your word, and we ask that we could be your people. Father, we ask that you can fill each and every one with the Holy Spirit when they come to the true knowledge of your truth. Please allow your spirit to come, Lord Father, and dwell on the inside of each and every one of us. Father, we thank you for showing us direction, love, wisdom, grace, and mercy, Lord Father. Father, we thank you for each and every one of these things. Father, we come also begging your forgiveness. Forgiveness, Lord Father, because sometimes we discount your word and do what we want to do. Sometimes we allow our flesh to get in the way of our conversations, of our thoughts, of our actions. We ask the Lord that you allow your Holy Spirit to transform us, to show us, Lord Father, what it means to be your people and not operate off of our feelings or our flesh. Father, we bless you, Lord, and we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he rose on the third day, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again. So we bless you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name, Lord Father, that your Holy Spirit blesses us and comes into us, Lord God, and teach and lead and guides us. We, we also, in Jesus' name, ask for wisdom, Lord God, in all of our affairs. We come, Lord, in Jesus' name, asking you to see clear to forgive us for our sins. And we come to you in Jesus' name that we may operate in accordance with the kingdom of God. Father, we love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Good morning, and I'd like to welcome you to uh, Sunday Morning Kingdom. I'm your host and Bible teacher, Pastor Mark Fields. For those of you that's listening online or by cell phone or something like that, uh, I apologize for not being on for a couple of weeks. I'm having a lot of issues with the radio broadcast, um, so that it's, it's, it's preventing me from even going into the studio, so I apologize for that, but um, things are looking better. But tonight, today, I want to finish up, or actually it's not finished up, because once I finish this, I'm going to tell you at the end how it leads into something else, some things that I was never taught before, and I actually used at that time that we were away from each other to study. I've been studying diligently and rightly dividing God's word, uh, putting it back in perspective the way God wanted us to. So this is part two of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit part two. But this one is you can't not buy the Holy Spirit. You cannot buy the Holy Spirit. Now, now how many of us have been taught 
that once you believe, you're blessed with the Holy Spirit. Pretty much everybody, we all believe that. We believe that that's what happens. Now, although we was teaching on the Holy Spirit, we put the first part in perspective, we're going to put the second part in perspective, and we're going to have to keep going because it doesn't stop there. Now, we're coming from, uh, we're going to have many different scriptures, so please write these down so that you can go back and, and look at them. But we're going to start in Acts chapter 8. We're going to start in Acts chapter 8, 9 through 23. It says, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria given out that himself was a great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. I'm going to stop right there, verse 10, uh, and, and real quick. We're going to go down, but I'm going to stop after verse 10 because I want you to see and understand what is what's what's the backdrop? What's going on here? Now this 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 man called Simon, who is a disciple now. This man called Simon is a disciple, and it said before he was a disciple before time, in the same city that he now came to preach the kingdom of God and everything else, or discuss all things Christ. He used to bewitch the people and 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 use sorcery. He was a magician. And they, they, the people said that he was a great one, but they said this man is great power of God. That's what they said. It says right there. They, 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 they said the greatest to the least said that this is a great man of God. So, so this also shows us that every person that we may consider to be a great man of God may in fact not be. They may be a sorcerer. They may be a false prophet, false apostle, false teacher. So, so don't be amazed. Like, like Jesus said, you remember when Jesus said um, they asked him for signs? Well, show us a sign. And Jesus said, "I'm giving you none. You get no more signs." Jesus came. He healed. He ministered. He, he did all these things, but they still was following him because they wanted to see something. You know, they got mega ministries that go around that people follow people just because they want to be healed. And they say that that's a great man of God. And then, in fact, you read on the news or in a magazine or a book or something that that man, in fact, is not a great man of God. So we get people, we get duped into believing things. But it says in verse 11, and to him they had regarded because of that long of a time he had bewitched them with his sorceries. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. See, they didn't believe him no more. Once they got the truth, they didn't believe in the sorceries and all those things anymore. Because they were giving, they, 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 Philip came and preached to them the things concerning the kingdom of God. See, and people get mad at people that minister and preach the kingdom of God uh, um, because it reveals what something is not. So then when you're sitting there and, and you're hearing 
someone uh, ministering or preaching out of context or you can see the greed in their heart, you begin to start looking and going, no, this is not it. And then you, as a person of God, supposed to, um, quote, expose that person. So that way nobody else perishes. See, we got this whole thing backwards. I had a conversation with someone um, Friday, and he, he was led to believe that we're not to judge anyone or say anything about anybody within the church. And I told him that's wrong. That's not what scriptures say. Scriptures say that we are to judge those that are in the body. But because we don't judge those that are in the body, that means that they're leading a whole bunch of people astray and nobody's sitting around saying a word. Yet, in Ezekiel, the Bible says that if you don't warn the people, if you fail to warn the people of impending doom or impending danger, then guess what? Their blood is on your head, not theirs, because you see it coming. So how can we sit inside of a body knowing that it is corrupt from the inside and not say a word? Or if someone's uh, ministering out of context or out of order, or allowing certain things. That's why um, the woman that hid the leaven, when you continue to read it and understand in life in the kingdom of God, it wasn't to hide the word of God in your heart. It was a poison. It was a pollution. It was a plague. And they hide it inside the church. And once it catches fire, then everything starts believing that sin is acceptable. You got to go back and read that. But but they, they, they believed. And Philip, they was baptized. Verse 13, then Simon himself, oh, it's a great thing, it's a great thing. Simon himself believed also. And he was baptized and continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they come down, pray for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Got you. Here's one right there. You see that? So they believed, right? And they followed Philip, who had the doctrine of the kingdom of God. But now they didn't have the Holy Ghost. Although they was baptized in the same spirit. You see that? Y'all catching this? Okay, let's keep going. It says, verse 15, who when they came, come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now, I've got to stop right there. Remember that scripture. Because if you read in... 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, it says, For by one spirit we're all baptized into one body. Whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether they be bond or free, and whether they have been made and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Two different things. Baptizing in the Holy Spirit and baptizing with the Holy Spirit. Two separate things. Believing makes you part of the same spirit. See that? Believing makes you part of the same spirit. Oh, this is good stuff. It's getting good already. Hold on, hold on. Let me keep going. 
Uh, okay. Verse 16. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. That's what it says. For the Holy Spirit did not fall on none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now I'm going to stop right there to put the setup for our Thursday's teaching. So if that can only come through the act of an apostle, what does an apostle look like? See? See how this thing can get confusing? Just because a person calls themselves an apostle, it does not make them an apostle. And there are strict guidelines to what an apostle is. There's a strict order to what an apostle is supposed to do. Now, an apostle is the sent one. Do you see how they were sent up there? The apostle is not the one that sits there and people come to them. They're also not the one who gets up and creates a ministry, uh, 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 um, builders all over the place and travel throughout them. That's not what an apostle is. If the word apostle, Paulos, means sent one, that means I have to be sent, but by who? Who sent me? God. I have to be sent of God, not just to preach the kingdom of God, but I need to do the work of an apostle. That means that I, an apostle, may walk into your church and say, the Lord has sent me here to endow you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But then ain't nobody going to receive that, are they? See? Ain't nobody going to receive that. Because our idea of an apostle looks different than the works of an apostle, biblically, scripturally speaking. Our apostle comes with a title. Our apostle comes with more than one church under them. Because Paul wrote to all these churches and, and then went around and laying foundations, we believe that now we're just supposed to create an organization of business. Okay, let me keep going. The verse 17, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered money. What did he want to do? He wanted to buy it. Oh, man. He wanted to buy it. Now, this is no different than ministering this way. And I know we heard this before, too. You sing, you dance, and, and, and you have a good time in church. And the comments made was, the Holy Ghost was sure in that place. You understand what I'm saying? Have you heard that before? Or we pray for the Holy Ghost to come. Now, once you get the Holy Ghost, it doesn't leave you like in the Old Testament. You remember in the Old Testament? Remember I told y'all uh, last week that, that the connections in these stories and everything else is not, a, uh, not just a book of stories. In the Old Testament, the Holy Ghost came to people and they did something good or did what God told them to do, and the Holy Spirit was to come again. Now, Jesus... It, Matter of fact, the last words of Christ that a lot of people believe is that Jesus told them to go preach the kingdom of God. That was Jesus' final command to his disciples, go preach. But in fact, it was not his final command. Jesus' final command to his disciples was wait. 
wasn't gold. It was weight. Here in Jerusalem, until the Holy Ghost came, and you'll have power. So, oh, my God, this is good stuff. This is different between being a sorcery, a, 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 a phony titled person, and all of these things is operating with no power. Now, watch this. He said in verse 19, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may be bought that gift of God, may be purchased with money. He was trying to sell. Oh, then i got to read that one again. Now, tell me y'all don't know this. Listen. Verse 19, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter saying unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. How many people in churches across America praying for the Holy Ghost? Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. For thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thy heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And that's just something. <clears throat> now we're talking about the Holy Ghost. That you can't buy the Spirit. You can't perform and get the Spirit. Because that's not what the Spirit is supposed to do. Do you really think that the Spirit, Holy Spirit is supposed to come to you to make you a better musician? A better singer? That's not what the Holy Spirit's purpose is. And we're going to find, we're going to read that. So, so all of these uh, uh, understandings of the kingdom of God and of God just doesn't make sense. When Jesus told them to wait, he told them to wait, right? That that this this this, this spirit is going to come to them. This helper is going to come. So, so he says in John chapter seven, verse thirty-nine. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. John fourteen sixteen to 26, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. John fourteen sixteen. But when the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance of all that I said to you. Now, what is the role of this, the Holy Spirit? Teach what? That what? That Jesus said. So the Holy Spirit, per Scripture, is coming to you to have power so that you may it may bring back to your remembrance the things that Christ said. 
So Christ said, what? He preached one message, Luke 4, 43. He said, I must preach the kingdom of God. That's what I, that's why I was saying. So Jesus came preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. And the Holy Spirit, this helper, is going to lead and guide you through all truth and bring back to your remembrance all the things I said to you. That's what Jesus told John chapter 15 and 26. When the helper comes, now who's the helper? Holy Spirit, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, and he will testify about who? He said me. So, this is good. So the Holy Spirit testifies of Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Let's do another one, John 16 and 7. But I tell you the truth, it is your advantage that I go away, for if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Send him to you, this helper. Okay. Now let's keep going. So when we start to understand all of the misconceptions that we've been taught over the years concerning the Holy Ghost, that shows that we're not looking for the Holy Ghost. We're looking for an experience. <clears throat> we want the experience of the Holy Ghost. That's why we do what we do when we say we have the Holy Spirit. When we have the Holy Spirit, uh, do you ever see someone saying, I got the Spirit, and now I need to go preach? I need to go tell someone about Christ? Or do we dance and get happy? You see what I'm saying? So if this helper is coming to tell me all the things about Christ, how is it reduced? To an experience that happens at the drumbeat. Some things we got to unlearn. You know, there was, we have reduced the church to being an event and the Holy Spirit as being a feeling. That misconception has paved the way for the rest of the church. Because now we do it because we saw somebody do it. That's how we learn. But now the rest of the church is misinformed and misconstrued with the same ideology. But the only ideology, which I learned the other day from a friend of mine, he said it's nothing more than a containment theology. Meaning you have to come here in order for you to be filled and whole. It's containment theology. Now I had someone... Uh, um, I had someone that I know that recently went to church for the first time as an adult. As an adult, meaning they weren't brought up attending a church, not used to the performance of church, and not clear about what's supposed to be happening at church. So I asked them, well, what happened? Their statement was, I cried. I asked them, what you cry about? They said it was very emotional. Now, I was happy that they was even open enough to go. But what he said was, but it's 
you preach. And that's something. He said it's different than what you preach about. It was totally different. He said, and it left me confused. I remember, I think my wife, I think she said that, something like, uh, Yeah, it gives you a high, and then the only place you can get that high again is by going back. Something to that effect. It gives you an emotional high, gives you a release, which all of our emotions are supposed to do. It's designed so you don't keep stuff pinned up in you, but it's also used so you can learn something from it, like guilt. If you feel guilty about doing something, that's supposed to provoke you not to do it again. So you don't have that same feeling. Guilt. Anger is to solve a problem. You see what I'm saying? So, so God designed us very well. When you cry, you're releasing things. So you can have definite emotional response in, in, in church, quote church. But then once you do that, then what? When you get all pent up again, you go back and then you get another release again, and then now you feel better? Well, you can talk to a therapist for that. You won't get the music or dancing or showing all that stuff, but, you know, there's other ways. So, so, but when I was talking with him, it was, I, I understand that what he had was an experience. He had an experience. They stated that it moved them to have an experience that had them feeling emotional, but now what? Is that it? Because if it is, I got it. But I know it must be much more than that. I asked them uh, if they thought that was the meaning God was trying to convey to them. Or what power they're supposed to get. Their reply was, I hope not. And I told them that I have power. They were told that they have power to make great changes in their life. And to do great things. And he said, well, if I need money, I can hustle money. And if I want to dance, I can go to listen to music. Music makes us emotional. You ever heard a song that makes you cry? It don't have to be, I'm not talking about just a, a, a spiritual song. I'm talking about a song. You're thinking about a lost loved one or something like that? And let me put this way. My mom, my mom died when I was nine. And when they called and gave us the message that she died on the phone in the background, I heard once, twice, three times a lady. By Lionel Richie. That's what I heard. Y'all know some ones? Okay. So I, um, every time I heard that song, I would cry. Every time I heard the song, I cried. It didn't matter about the words or the lyrics. Every time I heard the song, I cried because it reminded me of my mother. No different than when I was a teenager and I had a breakup and I was feeling really bad and I went down and sat there and just, listening to, to Brandy and the Isley Brothers, and was crying because of the words of the song. I was emotional. So you see what I'm saying? You know what I'm trying to say? 
that experience brought me to my emotions bubbling over. But again, when I began to start talking about the kingdom of God, the purpose and direction, and the intent of the assurance that we have in Christ, I realized why there's only one message that Jesus said we are authorized to preach. Because it's not about interpretations. You cannot have multiple interpretations of the same scripture. That means somebody's reading it wrong, period. There is no other way. There is no other way. You cannot take one book, one author, inspired by God, and say it has multiple different meanings. The reason why we believe that is why the reason why we have multiple different churches all over the place. Because everybody wants to get their own interpretation. You see what I'm saying? So if you want to get your own interpretation, what in fact is happening, you're following man's interpretation of what he thinks that word means. But if you go into the kingdom of God and that consistent message throughout the Bible, what's going to happen is, see, when I learned the kingdom of God, I learned from the New Testament on. I read the Bible, read the Old Testament, read Revelations and everything, but what I was missing was the kingdom of God. I missed the connection that I was supposed to have. I missed that connection. And, and, and when I got the connection, when I finally got that connection, I began to see the, 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 the things that I thought were just stories in the Bible as instructions about the kingdom of God, like Daniel's dream. When I looked at Daniel's dream, a lot of people take away, oh, he had power and he, he then Nebuchadnezzar believed in him because he told him his dream. But if you ever read back Daniel, you'll see that Daniel was in fact talking about the kingdom of God. He was talking about how we can set up all these manly kingdoms, all these worldly kingdoms, but the final kingdom is the kingdom of God. You know, it, it's funny because the church should be on a mission, not moving after a weekly event. There is nothing wrong with the fellowship. There's nothing wrong. But you got to understand, each office has served a different purpose. But because we're confused about the offices, shows that we're confused about the word. And if we're confused about the word, and don't understand the kingdom, you can't understand the Bible. It just becomes a group of people trying to live morally and trying to have life instead of an afterlife. You know, it, it, it's just funny how all those things about this particular topic has eluded so many people for so many years. I believe that once you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you get the Holy Ghost. But we just read scriptures that said that's not so, that that wasn't the case. You know, when you start to look at, at John chapter 1, the first John, Chapter 5, verse 7. Let's go there. 1 John, chapter 5, verse 7. 
John chapter 5, verse 7. <clears throat> and it says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. That's good. And these three agree in one. For we have received the witness of men. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he had testified of the Son. He that believe on the Son of God have the witness in himself. He that believe not God made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God has given to us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. These things, back up, he that hath the Son have life, and he have not the Son of God have not life. These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may, may believe on the name of the Son of God. But now we're talking about this spirit, these three separate things that you have to have in order to be baptized. You got three. You got the witness, the spirit, and the word. You got the water baptism, the Holy Spirit baptism, and salvation. Got all three. Each one of those represent a distinct work. A distinct work of God. There are three. We don't never look at it as three. One spirit. When you believe, you become one spirit, right? You become one spirit with everybody else. But now the thing that I was trying to explain to you is that there are people that are operating with just two. They never been blessed or, or given the gift of the Holy Spirit, even if they have, uh, uh, even if they have the other two. And let me show you how that works. Let me show you how that looks. Let's go to Acts chapter nineteen and one. Very important right here to see this. Acts nineteen and one. And when I told you, I said that there are people that believe Jesus Christ. Right? There are people that believe Jesus Christ, that preach the word of God, but don't have the Holy Ghost. Most people say, ah, that's impossible. Look at all the different messages. But here, we're going to go to Scripture and let Scripture tell us. Acts chapter 19 and 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, now we know Apollos preached, don't we? Remember Paul said, some people say, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul. Remember that, remember that scripture? So, so, you know, that was that little discord. So it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, 
Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. What word did I just use? Disciples? I said disciples, right? So Paul found what? Did he find heathens? Did he find unbelievers? No. He found disciples. And he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. We thought this was all it. You mean, Paul, you telling me there's more? Oh, this is good stuff. He said, he said, we don't even know nothing about the Holy Ghost. We thought that you said that we were going to be baptized in spirit. He did. Y'all are the same spirit, but you have to have the Holy Ghost. So this shows that there are some people, one, that believe, that preach and follow Christ without the Holy Ghost. Am I right? Am I making this up? Was that what it says? Okay, I was just checking. And he said, he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him and should come and, and which come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came to them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And it was all about 12 people there. You see? You see that? So that means there are people that believe, that follow, but don't have the Holy Ghost. Now watch this. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the uh, the disciples disputing daily in the school of one. Uh, in the school of one Tyrannius, and he and this continued the space of two years, that they all which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So you see, there are uh, uh, people that's operating that know the kingdom of God. Without the Holy Ghost. But if you know the kingdom of God, you should know that. So each baptism has a distinct work. But Jesus commanded them to wait. To wait. 
And he says, I'm going to read that right now. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Verse 4. And being assembled with the note, let's back up because i got to put them in there. Acts chapter 1 and 1. The former treatise I have made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being all of them forty days, and speaking the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And there's that word again, the kingdom of God. You see, there was, they didn't do anything separate than that. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not, not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he hath, which he says, ye have heard of me. Which saith he, ye have heard of me. That's what the Holy Spirit going to come say. Well, wait a minute now. Ain't these the same disciples that follow Christ? Did they not have the Holy Ghost either? No, they didn't. He was waiting on them. He said, wait. So wait a minute. So let me see if y'all got this. Y'all got this. Y'all been reading your Bible. So Jesus died, and then he showed himself to the disciples. And he was in Jerusalem, right? No. Well, because he told them to go to Jerusalem. So if he told them to go, he told them to wait. He said, wait, and I'm going to send you somebody. Says in being assembled together, depart not from where? Jerusalem. Okay, so they waited. And here's what it says. It says, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. That means it took some time. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, Will thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times nor the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the world. And when he had spoken these things, they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So the operation of who is supposed to be working in us now? Holy Spirit. So can you operate Without the Holy Spirit, you can. That's 
why now one of the works of an apostle, I'm gonna spill a little bit for next week. One of the works of an apostle is to point out the wrong. Didn't Paul do that? Point out false prophets. But yet when you point out false prophets, you got people saying you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't judge them. They do it all the time. I get so many messages about that. Oh, you're wrong. You shouldn't be telling somebody that that's a false prophet. Why? It is what it is. Well, you don't know them. I do. You can tell the truth by the fruit that it bears. So if you bear witness of a faulty fruited tree, I'm calling you out. Now, you can still do that in love. You don't have to put pee on right? You're supposed to bring that person aside. And if they don't receive it, then you bring another person. If they don't receive it again, you put them on blast. Because you have a duty to warn. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. Matthew 3, and I think this will be the last one. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Do you know how many practices that we took because we read the Bible and look for an experience? If you understood the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. You can either find an experience in there or you can find the truth of what's going on. Because it seems like some people read it and they got the experiences of the Holy Ghost. Or they got the experiences of having a, a, a feeling. I remember I had some guy push me in the stomach and ask me, did I feel fire? And I was confused, so I asked him, what do you mean? He said, because you feel the Holy Ghost, it's going to feel like fire shut up in your bones and and all that kind of stuff. And then we just read the scripture. I see where he got it from, but no, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that. And he wasn't an apostle either. The crazy part is, I was baptized five different times. Every time I messed up, I would go get baptized. I believed Jesus Christ. I wasn't preaching it yet, but I believed and I knew that I was wrong, but that wasn't the Holy Spirit because that was the Holy Spirit convicting me of sin. Because that's what the Bible says the Holy Spirit does. Convicts the world of sin. Not believers. The Holy Spirit don't supposed to convict you of sin. You know what sin is. You know what sin is. You got to remember what's going on. If you have a body of people, and I say that I'm saved, and you say that you're saved, iron's supposed to shop at iron. We're supposed to get together and talk about the kingdom of God and things like that, or something I found that was deep, or I like this one. But as far as you not knowing what I'm talking about, your spirit's going to bear witness with mine. 
because we look for an experience. So the question that I really want you to ask, I want you to ask yourself, is what you're learning what you believe God wants you to learn? Is what you're learning leading you to a good feeling, or is it leading you to the truth? Many Christians are living lives of defeat, frustration, and failure, which they endure every day. They endure that every day. But Scripture says that the Holy Spirit can only come by one way. That's through the apostles. Now, we all baptize and we read the scriptures in one spirit. We all have this, we, we're all of the same spirit. We're all of the same spirit. But clearly, as we read the scriptures, we see that even disciples, that after this is after Jesus was gone, when he was talking to them guys, he said, since you believed, have you received the Holy Ghost? And they responded to him, we don't even know what the Holy Ghost is. What is that? And then Paul laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. They received power. But see, we think the power of the Holy Ghost is to make us greater. But even Scripture says it's not. It's to make God greater. But we use it for ourselves. We've been taught that the Holy Spirit will power you up and you. You get to do these supernatural things. It's time to get out of containment theology. Containment theology is holding you back from your purpose, your design, and your destiny. Containment theology is not lining up with the scriptures where Jesus said, go preach, saying, how can I go preach saying if there's only one person preaching? I said this a long time ago. I think the church should be an open, revolving door. If we keep the concept the way we know this church, then the church should be full of sinners every Sunday. Yeah, the church building. The church building should be full of sinners. They come in, repent, believe, get hands laid on them, listen to the word of God, study the word of God, and then leave. I remember when we left um, ministries, it was frowned upon, wasn't it? It was, it was, oh my God. I remember leaving a couple of them in, in, in various parts of the world, and I was told, that's not God telling you to do that because God called you to stay right here and support me. Containment. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus' final command to his disciples 
was the promise of a relationship. This promise is going to give you something that you all can have. And I pray today that each and every one of you receive the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> I pray that the Holy Spirit come unto you and you get the power that Jesus was talking about. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to hear your word, to present it clearly so that others may understand the truth of all things Christ and all things kingdom. Father, I ask today that you bless each and every one of us with the Holy Spirit that can lead and guide us to all truths. That we may serve as a witness here on earth to what Jesus said, what Jesus preached, and what Jesus did. Father, we thank you for your precious gift. We thank Jesus for his precious gift. And we thank the Holy Ghost for his precious gift. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Anybody got any questions? Any questions? Any questions? God bless you all and have a wonderful day. A change, a change has come over me. He changed my life. And now I'm free. Jermaine is coming at this time. What direction?
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.